Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This episode contains Scotland. This is a piece that snuck up on me and ambushed me repeatedly until I got the message. I wasn't particularly fussed about Mendelssohn's music. And then I'd be in the car and turn on the radio, or come home and turn on the radio. Turning on the radio has always been a big part of my life, and it's probably a large part of why I'm talking to you now. Anyway, I'd turn on the radio, and there it would be. These sudden, spectacular, blazing horns. Wow, what is this? And it would be over in a flash, a matter of seconds. And then they'd say it was Mendelssohn's Scottish Symphony. Wow, I'd think. And then I'd forget about it all until the next ambush a year or so later. And eventually, I got round to listening to the whole thing. And it's brilliant. So here it is. It's a 40-minute piece, so we're going to split it into two episodes. One of the reasons I think that I wasn't that fussed about Felix Mendelssohn was because I thought he was a bit dull, a bit, you know, worthy, Victorian, safe, in life and music. I was wrong, and I knew very little of his music, and even less about him. The moral of the story for me is not to jump to judgments. Don't decide you don't like something before you've even tried it. Mendelssohn had one of the best possible starts in life. His grandfather had been a famous philosopher, dad was a leading banker. They lived a life of great comfort, in a home filled with music and art that was always filled with visitors from the finest mines in Berlin. Every couple of weeks, their parents' friends bought their instruments round, meaning Felix Mendelssohn and his sister Fanny had an orchestra to write for at their disposal, all without leaving their own house. On the 26th of March, 1829, Felix Mendelssohn wrote to his friend Carl Klingerman, who was working as a diplomat in London. He told him he was coming over in a month, and in capitals, that come August, I am going to Scotland, with a rake for folk songs, an ear for the lovely fragrant countryside, and a heart for the bare legs of the natives. Mendelssohn was 20. This was his first solo trip abroad, and he heads for London. His family were big Anglophiles. They even drank copious amounts of English tea back home in Germany. And they were big fans of British literature, notably the Scottish writer Walter Scott. I may have thought previously that he was a bit uninteresting, but Mendelssohn wrote great and a great number of letters. And the letters back home from this trip are fantastic in their, well, their ordinariness. He's a 20-year-old away from home for a long time for the first time on his own. He's full of life, wide-eyed and enthusiastic. When he reaches London, he writes home, saying, It's fearful. It's maddening. I'm quite giddy and confused. 
London is the grandest and most complicated monster on the face of the earth. How can I compress into one letter what I have been three days seeing? I can hardly remember the chief events, and yet I must not keep a diary, for then I should see less of life, and that must not be. On the contrary, I want to catch hold of whatever offers itself to me. Things roll and whirl round me, and carry me along as in a vortex. Not in the last six months at Berlin have I seen so many contrasts and such variety as in these three days. He loved London. He went to parties, enjoyed the parks, seemingly saw beautiful young women everywhere he turned. He was amazed by the diversity and the constant bustle, the traffic. Like a seasoned Londoner, he abandons a cab and walks to a party instead because he was going nowhere. He also writes of the dangers of getting run over on every street corner. And in its turn, London loved him. He was a big success in concert, giving the UK premiere of Beethoven's final piano concerto, and there were also concerts of his own works. After almost three months in London, he and his mate Carl Klingerman set off to Scotland on that much-anticipated holiday to walk and sketch in the Highlands. Mendelssohn was an exceptionally good artist, as well as a gifted composer. In Scotland he was wowed by other things, the scenery, and men in tartan with, as he puts it, naked knees. In a great example of never meet your heroes, and partly to appease his mum, he tried to go and visit the great famous author Walter Scott, and they found him getting ready to leave his house when they turned up. Mendelssohn wrote, We stared at him like fools drove 80 miles and lost a day for the sake of at best one half hour of superficial conversation. Melrose, the town, compensated us but little. We were out of humour with great men, with ourselves, with the world, with everything. It was a bad day. But in Edinburgh, he found musical inspiration at Holyrood Palace, where Mary Stuart, Mary Queen of Scots, as he says, lived and loved. A little room is shown, with a winding staircase leading up to the door. Up this way, they came and found Rizzio in that little room, pulled him out, and three rooms off there's a dark corner where they murdered him. The chapel close to it is now roofless, grass and ivy grow there, and at that broken altar, Mary was crowned Queen of Scotland. Everything around is broken and mouldering, and the bright sky shines in. I believe I found today, in that old chapel, the beginning of my Scotch symphony. Rizzio had been Mary's lover, murdered by her husband and his men. In the letter home, he included a sketch of his first thoughts of what would form the opening bars of the piece. As the conductor Andrus Nelsons puts it, is this dark and scary, or perhaps a tender, heartfelt song?
so he's been inspired for the opening. And then, for Mendelssohn, life happens. He's in Britain for seven months in total. After breaking his leg just before he was due to go home, he has to stay another six weeks, missing his sister Fanny's wedding as a consequence. And it's twelve whole years before this piece that he describes in that letter and subsequently as the Scottish Symphony sees the light of day. And it's published as Symphony No. 3. And there's no longer any mention of Scotland in the official title, but we still know it as the Scottish Symphony. The piece is brilliant, taut, exhilarating, sometimes just downright fun. The first movement is a drama. The long brooding introduction leads into fast, stormy music that's often still brooding. It's kind of thrilling. The second movement comes with almost no break and is some of the lightest, fluffiest, most joyful four minutes of orchestral music there is, written by anyone. It's pure, outdoorsy exuberance, fizzes and bubbles like a Scottish Highland brook, or maybe even a fine champagne. It's quite a lot like his music from Midsummer Night's Dream, see cacophony episodes from some time ago. Mendelssohn has such skill, he makes it sound easy to put something so delicate and intricate as this together. hard to think of any other piece where a composer seems so sure of their own ability. It's got an unparalleled freedom and vitality. I love it. You have to have your volume up quite high, because it ends super quietly. If the last thing you hear is three notes in the winds, bom, 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 then you're too low, because there are three more in the strings. Let's have a listen. Click on the link in the show notes to listen to the first half of Felix Mendelssohn's Third Symphony, or you can hang on and listen to the next episode of Cacophony and do the music in one hit after that. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell people all about it. Rate it, review it, and let's help push Cacophony and great music up those rankings. Please let me know what you think by leaving a comment either at cacophonyonline.com or via Facebook or Twitter. And if you're really enjoying Cacophony, you can support us by clicking on the link and buying me a coffee. Come back for more Mendelssohn next time, and thanks for listening.